Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is for you to listen and leave saying, why is this the only family or spouse support system that doesn't make you feel like you're the problem? And it feels so energizing, empowering, and uplifting thinking that you're not going crazy after all. I am here for you. Finally, please know you are not alone and you are worthy of prioritizing your well-being. So let's jump into the show. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I am the author of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. And I always say, I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad you're here, especially today, because I have such an amazing guest on the show. We are going to talk all about anxiety, overwhelm, stress, discouragement, and we are going to talk about it in a way that we can really take back our power. Uh, I have the author of Flow Up on the show today. And Thomas, you have to introduce yourself. Thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you very much for having me today. And yes, I'm a keynote speaker, flow and mindful movement teacher, an extreme runner, an author of the book, Flow Up, Get Rid of Anxiety, Stress and Overwhelm, and Unlock Focus, Creativity and Joy. And I have a crazy challenge in front of me to run the circumference of the air, 40,075 kilometers, nearly 25,000 miles. I'm running through four continents and 27 countries starting very soon on the 26th of September. Oh my gosh. I, okay. I, before we hit record, I was telling you how, oh my gosh, Thomas, I can't even run around my block without feeling itchy legs and not comfortable. So I can't even believe that you are running so much and uh, just making a mission of it. And National Geographic is even following you, right? Yes, the National Geographic is my media media patron, so we will do quite a lot of work together. But we have also the units of involved. We we are fundraising for kids, supporting child protection and um, education. For we want to fundraise for kids in Ukraine, Venezuela, Philippines, and Yemen. So in areas through which I will run. So it's a lot of great work along the way. I have over 400 events. Uh, we plan to record uh, around 450 podcasts during this time. And um, uh, there is a research with the leading um, uh, sports scientists from the UK. So it's a lot of fun along the way for the next 40 months because that's how long it's going to take for me to run the circumference of the air. Oh my gosh, amazing on so many levels. So exciting. But I'm curious that like, what motivated you to write this book, Flow Up, Get Rid of Anxiety, Stress and Overwhelm and Unlock Focus, Creativity and Joy and and do this whole mission that you're on. Like what what's behind all this? It, it was basically my life. So, you know, when I was a little kid, I did have a few traumatic experiences, but I, did, I actually didn't know about them. I didn't know that that was my traumatic experiences until I was almost, almost 40 years old. I'm 44 at current time. So it was nearly six years ago. And um, at that time, I got divorced, I uh, uh, lost my business, and I was in really poor mental health, uh, really struggling with anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. But actually, at that time, the anxiety, stress, and overwhelm was really intensive to the level that on some days, I, I was just literally lying down on the floor and struggling with taking my uh, breath. Uh, but, you know, the anxiety, stress, and overwhelm wasn't, wasn't anything new to me. Uh, it was just present my entire life. And that was just normal for me. And it was normal for the uh, society where I was living. Everyone behaved and felt a pretty much similar way. Um, but I didn't actually know that I can live different way, that I don't need to live with anxiety, with stress, with overwhelm. Um, and, um, you know, when I was dealing with all those with a with divorce and with the losing of my company, I go for uh, one month to Asia on an empty beach. I took just a few books and I just spent this few days, um, I mean, four weeks on my own. Um, and I met a few people and I met a few people which were completely satisfied with their lives, happy with their career. Um, fulfill it and it was 
totally new experience for me. I never met people like this who was truly happy and satisfied from their life. And I just put this, uh, you know, as my life mission that I want to live that way, that I want to be like this. And, you know, along the way, I learned that, that if we don't heal from our past traumatic experiences, we'll pass them on the next generation. And I have two sons, and I didn't want my two sons to live the way, to feel the way, how I felt for most of my life. And that, you know, it was quite easy decision to change my life when I discovered all of this. It wasn't easy later to actually put this into life, but I manage. I uh, pass two big challenges. I have, I make five million steps uh, as a first challenge in Hungary's one days. Then I was just running with a backpack, 11,000 kilometers through Asia. Then I wrote my book, summarizing all the change. And now I'm running, I'm almost starting running through, through the entire world, sharing my knowledge with other people. Oh my gosh, so much yumminess and greatness in this. Um, and as you may or not, may not know, our listeners are people who might be struggling with loving someone with an addiction or maybe have lost someone to addiction. And um, just hearing your story, you know, we all have moments in life that are filled with anxiety and stress and overwhelm. And I just want to celebrate how you were, you know, in that, um, in the muck of, you know, feeling anxious and having so much stress. And there's a lot of changes and a lot of our listeners are kind of either like the the change has just been like smack dab put in their face it's like I didn't want this change but suddenly they realize oh my gosh I'm dealing with addiction or um, maybe you know they have left their addicted loved one or maybe it's the children in their life so it's like chronic stress it's like you know so this overwhelm this anxiety and this stress and that comes from and with loving someone with an addiction is so very common and um, I just I want to celebrate the fact that you were able to turn your life around you were able to pivot your life and um just just you know make the make a huge shift so I have, I have a question about that like how the heck did you do this because like everyone wants to know obviously it's in your book but um also how did you make that pivot or how did you take back your power or make that shift and also what stood out to me and what you said is like you with your kids like you wanted so badly to be an example for your children and I have to say that that was one of my aha moments as well. When I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction and my son, not knowing about the addiction, um, said to me, mom, like he is not treating you well. He hasn't treated you well for the past two years. And he's, I avoid him. My, my kids were saying this to me. I avoid him. He scares me. He's angry. Like in all this, it was almost like, I needed to hear it from my my sweet son to help me to really navigate through that that um, of loving someone with an addiction for me in my situation for getting out. So um, so yes, let's jump into how you were able to take back your power. How you were the, the pivotal moment for you? Um, how did you do that? Yes, absolutely. So you know, I, I can relate quite a lot to what you just say because. Uh, um, my my main point, my main motivation to, to make the change was my sons. My At current time, they are 10 and 17 years old. And the main point for me was to show them 
the different life, the life without anxiety, without stress, without overwhelm, and without drama, uh, because um, it, it wasn't only me who goes through the childhood traumas, it was also my um, ex-wife who goes uh, through uh, childhood traumas and affect her um, you know, quite strongly. The difference between us was that I could see this and I could um, you know, um, admit to myself that I have a problem and I need to uh, change this. I was never actually nervous or explosive, um, but I was more closed inside and killing all my emotions inside and not talking about this. And obviously this was also affecting my sons in a, in a, in a wrong way because I couldn't talk about my emotions and I wanted to, to, to talk about this. In case of my ex-wife, that was the other way around. She was explosive and she was um, saying a lot of words which she shouldn't uh, say, and especially in front of uh, the kids. So that was the main thing for me to, to make this change. And it wasn't easy uh, because we, we all know that change is always difficult. And, and when I wanted to change this, I didn't have idea where to start and what to do. So I start from the little things. I just started wearing different T-shirts. I just replaced um, beer with water. I replaced uh, coffee with tea. I started going to different park. I sold my car and I started walking. Then later I started running. I started running from five kilometers, then 10 kilometers, then 15 kilometers, then 20 kilometers. And you know, all this change, all this transformation, each time it was quite painful, it was difficult, but each time it was teaching me something new. I started paying a lot of attention to everything what I'm doing. I started making a conscious choices and deciding if this is really what I want to do, if this is really my, uh, you know, if it's, if it's close to my cure volus, if this is going to get me where I want to be, or if this is automatic behavior and dictated by my past, um, you know, traumatic um, experiences. So, you know, I, I made uh, dozens, hundreds of mistakes along the way. Sometimes it, I go in a wrong way and sometimes I end up feeling even worse than I wanted to feel. But each of this lesson, it was just teaching me. So I paid a lot of attention to everything what I was doing. The break point for me was when I was running through Asia, my two challenges, and I discovered the state of flow. And when I discovered the state of flow, when my entire nervous system started, reset, started resetting, and the self of sense started resetting, and between the weeks, my focus, creativity, productivity, you know, like exploded. I was running, I started running crazy distances, 60, 70, 80, 90 kilometers a day. One week, second week, not only this, I was running with a backpack, with a laptop inside my backpack from hotel to hotel. And after the finishing running, um, I rested for half an hour, one hour, and I was able to open my laptop and work for a few hours, fully focused on the task at hand. And I got really curious what is happening to me because it was, you know, completely new experience for me. Sometimes I was reading 
um, you know, literally one page of the book 10 times, and I still didn't know what is on the page because I couldn't focus on the page. I still couldn't repeat what was on this page. And, you know, after I started getting regularly into the state of flow, all of this completely changed. It was like, you know, 360 degrees uh, change. Everything become really effortless for me. I started being curious how I'm getting to the state of flow. And I learned that I'm actually getting into the state of flow. And I discovered that I'm practicing mindful movement, mindful running, active meditation. And, and then I started doing purposefully and the things started being really easy for me because I become really conscious and aware of my body, on my, of my feelings, of my emotions, uh, of my thoughts. Uh, and it was uh, amazing transformation. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Okay, you bring up so many amazing points here in terms of it's not easy, right? Change isn't easy. And of course, we're not advocating whether you stay, you leave, wherever you are in your relationship. Um, the, the message here is that like change with yourself it's like slow and steady small micro changes and then they keep getting more and more have more and more impact and they become bigger in your case bigger and bigger because you're running further and further and um it's just so powerful and then the fact that you were able to tap into this um you wanted to show your initial drive was you wanted to show your children a different life you didn't want it to be you know full of turmoil and anxiety and stress although we have to admit that we're not immune to that but the way that we handle and process and live with the stressors and the trauma and the overwhelm and the anxiety we have influence on that. So, um, so powerful. I love that you bring this up. And then uh, obviously uh, being uh, in the world of positive psychology, um, we talk a lot about this flow state. Now you are a flow mindfulness, your mindful flow movement teacher. And so you obviously go into flow state very easily with through practice. And so I think we should maybe talk a little bit about flow state. I know from my study in positive psychology, it's, it's been popularized more from Mahali Csikszentmihalyi and uh, this whole concept of almost where you lose track of time um you're just so it's challenging enough but you're in this this state it's challenging enough but not so challenging that you feel discouraged about it but it's like challenging enough you lose track of time it feels good you know you're you're just fully engaged in the moment um can we talk about flow state like sure. um, yeah let's 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 uh, yeah uh, absolutely. So, you know, the first thing is, uh, because people may think that, oh, this guy is running some crazy distances, so it's easy for him to get into the state of flow. But you can achieve the state of flow when you run one kilometers, when you run three kilometers, when you run five kilometers. You don't need to be a crazy runner. You know, I didn't start at, um, from running 50 or 70 kilometers a day. I started from running five kilometers uh, a day, and this was slowly starting getting me, me into, in, into the state of flow. Of course, now when I run these long distances, it's easier uh, for me, and if I practice mindful movement consistently every day, it's much easier for me to get into the state of flow. But, you know, you don't have to be runner at all to get into the state of flow. You can 
achieve state of, state of flow when you're cycling, swimming, uh, you know, playing chess, cooking, dancing, having sex, writing, reading, listening to music, you, know, you name it. Anything what you are passionate about and which is giving you a lot of satisfaction and which is challenging you a bit, but not overwhelming you, can get you into the state of flow. So, you know, to create, I can give you a bit of tips, you know, a few tips to, to how to create conditions for flow, because we're never going to have the guarantee that we can get into the state of flow, but we can try to create the conditions for, for the state of flow, and this will help you, uh, you know, get into the state of flow. So there's okay. a three main... Let's, let's delve into the reason why someone want, might want to get into the state of flow, because I think we have to tie this whole thing together, because for me, um, getting into a flow is a state of flow kind of pulls me out of the worry and the rumination and the chaos that might be going on around me. And I found that getting into flow state is so powerful because it kind of, it, it's not that I'm going off and pretending bad things don't happen and ignoring my emotions. Because as we know, if we take our emotions and we sweep them under the carpet, like eventually they're going to stink. If we put something under the carpet, eventually it's going to stink. So this idea is, is that um, the desire to go in a flow state is that it does put us to where um, we're immersed in what we're doing. We're in the present moment, which can be free of anxiety, can be free of stress. And um, so can you add to that the benefits of flow state? Sure. sure. When we are getting into the state of flow, the prefrontal cortex, the front of our brain is resetting. So what that means that when the, uh, the prefrontal cortex is shooting down, actually, is actually the efficiency exchange. The brain is uh, exchanging the energy it needs to focus on the task at hand. And, and shooting down um, non-order um, uh, structures which, are, which you don't need to use at current time. So when we get into the state of flow and the prefrontal cortex shoots down, our nervous system resets and all the stress hormones are flowed out of our system. So it's, um, it, at that time, the, all the anxiety, stresses and overwhelms kind of the resetting, disappearing for that period of time when we are in the state, state of flow. And when, when we get out of the state of flow, um, we are kind of starting new, starting fresh. And of course, as you said, that if you put something under the carpet, it will start stinking. So that's why we have a mindful movement and active meditation when we can actually be very conscious of our emotions, feelings, um, thoughts, and body sensations. And we can actually discover what we can heal, what we need to heal, what kind of the uh, experiences hold us, block us in life. And then we can focus on those experiences and we can, we can heal those um, experiences. And this will help us get rid of anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. When we get into the state of flow and the prefrontal cortex shoots down, our brain can no longer separate um, uh, past from present and from future because time is calculated in the prefrontal cortex. So when it shoots down, we cannot separate any longer the time. And you know, if you think about this, all the anxieties, stresses, overwhelms are usually about the bad things which happened to us in the past and we want to avoid them to happen to us in the future. 
all that our imagination of what may happen to us in the future. And this is usually causing stresses, anxieties, um, and uh, overwhelms. When we get into the state of flow and the prefrontal cortex shoots down, um, our sense of self also resets. So that means that all our you know, self-criticism, uh, self-doubt is disappearing. And you know, when I started getting into, st into the state of flow, I literally get out of my own way. I started doing crazy things. I started you know, sending uh, emails to journalists in United Kingdom, asking them for interview. My very first interview was with the Red Bull. And um, you know, I I I was still running with a backpack I, through Asia. I started sending. I created quickly the coaching program, mindful movement and flow coaching program. I started sending emails to universities in Thailand because the next country was the Thailand when I was supposed to uh, run through. I sent the emails to fifty-seven universities, and twenty of them booked me for for speaking engagement, and I was just running with a backpack from one university to another university and speaking at universities, teaching people about the mindful movement and about the flow. So, you know, when we start getting in, in, into the state of flow, in a simplest way, the life is becoming effortless for us, extremely enjoyable and satisfying. We are very conscious of what we want to achieve and how we want to achieve it. And we're literally getting out of our own way. All the stresses, worries, um, anxieties, overwhelms starting to disappear. Obviously, it's not happening over the night. It didn't happen for me over the night. It took time. Those anxieties, stress, and overwhelms were coming back. You know, I was often describing that um, for the most of my life, for almost 40 years of my life, I felt like I have a clenched fist inside my, my stomach. And this fist was something holding me, sometimes holding me stronger and not allowing me to move to the next step in my life. Sometimes it was releasing, but I always felt like something inside me is holding me from being the... Uh, who I want to be, to achieve who I, what I want to achieve. Wow. And when I regularly started getting into the state of flow for the past few years, I don't know about the existence of this clenched fist in my stomach. It released completely. I don't feel it at all. Even when I'm starting a, a really new, a big, really difficult task and I don't know where to start, I'm starting feeling, you know, more excitement in, in my stomach than that clenched fist holding me and not allowing me to start writing on my laptop or, you know, wherever I want to do or making a call or so wherever I want to do. Oh so this gosh. is what the state of flow is doing to us. <laughs> oh, amazing. And I love how you put it too in this idea, this clench of fist in your stomach. I can so relate to that. And like even me thinking about it, I can feel it in my stomach, like it still exists there. And it's so interesting because I know probably a lot of the listeners can relate to that as well. It's almost like, so this flow state is so powerful. So just to, just to, for clarity too. So flow state, so mindfulness really is when we are being mindful and we break ourselves, would you consider that flow state as well? 
Um, um, mindfulness, um, mindfulness and flow are pretty much similar, but they are not the same because when you are achieving the state of flow, you have to be um, focused on the uh, task at hand. Flow can exist only uh, when your full attention is on the present moment or what is happening here and now. Um, with mindfulness, you can simply be mindful and you don't have to be focused, focused on the task at hand. And you can you can you know practice mindfulness. So mindfulness is actually helping us creating conditions for flow. If we are mindful, if we practice, for example, mindful movement um, or any form of the of the mindfulness, this is helping us creating conditions uh, condition for flow. And you know the the overall. Um, um, definition let's say of flow and mindfulness is pretty much similar because in both we are focusing on the present moment awareness but as i said in flow we have to be fully focused on tasks at hand in mindfulness we don't have to be focused at tasks at hand at all yeah oh and i love yeah i know sometimes there's confusion around the two but i love that mindfulness actually is a precursor that helps us and creates a condition for flow state. And flow state is such a wonderful state that moves us away from the stress response in our brain and allows us to shut down parts of our brain that may be of thinking and worrying and, and puts us into a place where we can just, you know, not overthink and not ruminate and just have pleasure and be fully present and so joyful. And um, and, and allows us to get, I love the way you put it, get out of our own way. It's like, oh my God, Let's get out of our own way. Let's like release that clenched fist in our stomach and let's, you know, be present the moment. I love how you said too, you, I know you didn't mean to say that you, you did crazy things, like you're going crazy, but more like you were crazy brave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you go into this crazy brave state when you're in flow state. And so true. I, I, I know we've all been there. We've all, for people listening, like they might think, I don't know if I've ever been in flow. Maybe can we give them some examples of what might some flow states be? Like you mentioned sex, you mentioned, you know, getting lost in a video game or like um something along those lines or even just even in work i get lost when i'm like creating my website and working with posts and things like that so can you give us some more examples absolutely it can be you know i'm 100 sure that all those people who listen to this um, uh, episode they experience dozens of time the state of flow in their life but they simply don't know that, that that was the state of flow so for example i mentioned about the cooking you're preparing the dinner for your friends you're cooking something delicious and so you start at i know 2 p.m and then you look at your watch and it's a quarter to seven and in 15 minutes people will start it coming and you're just starting thinking oh my god where is this time uh, gone i don't even know that the four or five hour hour uh, passed or you're a writer for sure you experienced it many times uh, the state of flow when you start writing and maybe you did have some kind of the writer blocks, but then at some point in the release, you sit down and you spend the entire day writing uh, dozens of um, uh, pages. Or we can have the same with the reading, that we start writing a really, really exciting book, and we look at our watch and it's a two in the morning and uh, we actually sit down at, at you know 7 uh, p.m and a few hours uh, gone or we go for a run to the forest and the run starting to be really effortless 
and and we feel like we literally flying through the forest uh, we just hear some noises um and uh, we get completely lost in Iran we don't even know um we don't even remember how we pass the um the road um ahead of us it's can happen you know with a swimming cycling with absolutely everything with washing dishes with uh, um whatever you do through throughout the day yeah so true and like play i remember i was playing even on the weekend we were playing a game and uh, just with cards and like uh, you lose track of time because you're having fun, you're figuring it out, you're strategizing. And so, yeah, reading, playing games and sports and you know, those kinds of things, even gardening, right? You can get lost. Yeah. Like I'm picking weeds out of my garden. And um, so, yeah, so flow state is very common. But the idea here is that we want to increase the amount of time that we are in flow state because it's so powerful on our mental well-being. And so can we talk now about, you know, like you were saying, conditions for flow like how can we set it up so we can get into this flow state that we know it helps down regulate our nervous system it helps us with that clenched fist in our stomach um can we talk about conditions for flow of course so as i said there is no any magic formula for the state of flow to achieve the state of flow but we can create conditions for flow which increase our chances of getting into the into the flow so the first thing as i mentioned already is that um uh, flow can exist only when our full attention is on the here and now and when we feel anxiety stress and overwhelm and when we struggle with this a bit is a bit difficult to get into the state of flow because then rarely we exist in the in the present moment. We usually worry about the past or, 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 or worry about the about the future. So what we can do, I can explain you based on um, on a running, but um, you can implement this actually into any sort of the any kind of the physical activity, or also into the any other kind of the. Um, activity which you do throughout the day. So the first step is to set clear goals. So what I mean by saying clear goals, so let's say that we are going for a run today and I'm saying, oh, I'm going to go for a run, maybe I'm going to go for one hour, I will see how I, how I feel, and, and, and if I feel tired, I will come back. This is not a clear goal. This is a very abstract goal, and you have no chance to achieve the state of flow in a such a uh, set in a such a goal. So what do you need to say to yourself? For example, I'm going to run five kilometers today at certain piece, at um, eight um, kilometers or you know, whatever are your capabilities to, uh, to, to run. Um, or in my, for example, in my case, I don't care about the speed uh, of my running, but I care to pass the particular distance because I'm running with a backpack from one hotel to another hotel. So if I'm running the long distance and I'm setting, I'm going uh, on a run and I'm setting the goal to pass, for example, 10, 20, 50, 70 kilometers. And this is a concrete goal. So number one is a set clear goals. And number two is a challenge skill, skills balance. Mm. So um, if you are a new runner and if you're going to say to yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up the goal because I want to achieve flow, so I'm setting up the goal to run 20 kilometers, no way, because this will overwhelm you. Is uh, the, the, Your uh, skills are not 
you know, in proportion to to the challenge which you're putting in front of you. So you have to think about the challenge skill uh, skills balance. It's the same like, for example, writing the book. If you want to achieve the state of flow to when you write the book and you said, I'm going to write today 30 pages and probably you're not going to get into the state of flow. But if you're going to say to yourself, oh, I'm going to write five or eight pages or 10 pages uh, today and I want to spend three or four hours on this, you have a chance to get into the state of flow because um, you have a concrete goal um, and you have a challenge skill balance. So the, the sweet spot for the challenge skill balance is if you if your challenge is 4% higher than your skills. So you have to do something what you love, what you are passionate about, and what is challenging you a bit. Because the other way around, if um, if your if the challenge is lower than your skills, that you get bored. It's not challenging you. <laughs> yeah, you will say, ah, and and you will not. So it's you know it's for me like running. Um, or, Running 50 kilometers at current time is a bit challenging. And if I will go for, uh, set up the goal to run 10 kilometers, it's, it's a bit boring for me. It's, it's not uh, uh, challenging. So the number one, once again, is a set click goals. Number two, keep challenge skill balance. And number three, get a feedback, interior and exterior feedback. So interior feedback can be, for example, that or you feel when you run, you feel really strong today. Um, so you get the feedback from yourself that you feel really strong today. And you set the goal, okay, I can actually run another uh, five kilometers and I can run at certain uh, speeds. So now you get the feedback, you set clear goals, you have a challenge skill uh, balance and you can achieve the state of flow. Or, for example, you can get the external feedback. So external feedback could be, for example, that you are running a race and your coach is shouting on you, you're doing great, you can do it, you can, you can make better, and you get exterior feedback. Or in case of, for example, writing a book, you get the exterior feedback from your coach and saying, oh, great work, you can correct, maybe you should correct this one, this one, and this one, but it's a great work. You get exterior feedback and you can achieve the state of flow. I can give you one more example how to jump from the state of flow to the state of flow based on a race, but again, people can translate this to, to the normal life. So when you're running the race, you have person in front of you who is faster at current time, you feel really strong, you get the interior feedback, and you set a goal, I want to pass the person in front of me, you are speeding up, so you have a challenge, skill, uh, challenge, skill, uh, challenge skills balance, clear goals, feedback, you run faster, you pass the first person in front of you, you set a new goal, you get again feedback, oh, I'm really strong today, you set a new goal, I want to pass person, another person in front of me, and you get from the flow to the flow. This is how I'm passing actually my entire challenge, how I pass the challenges before, how I'm passing my entire challenge, and how I actually wrote my book, creating the coaching program, how I do all the work throughout the day, is that I'm 
jumping from 15 minutes to 15 minutes. So I'm focusing myself on the nearest 15 minutes. It doesn't matter that I'm planning to run 75 kilometers today. My focus is on 15 minutes. My focus is on two and a half kilometers because that's what I'm passing in 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, I'm making two and a half thousand steps. And of course, we have a brain resistance. Our brain is saying to us, no, 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 you want to work eight hours or you want to run for 10, 10 hours. But then you know, we know that the brain is learning by repetition. So then you repeat to your brain, no, no brain. And I'm always treating my brain as a separate person next to me. And I'm saying, no, no brain. We will be running today for 15 minutes for the next, next two and a half kilometers. And when we achieve these goals, we will see what we're going to do. At the beginning, your brain resisting this, but with the time, the brain, brain is clicking and you're starting really focusing on the nearest 15 minutes. And this is how I'm jumping. You know, the other stories that I'm making this 15 minutes, 20, 50 or 40, you know, 40 times a day. But my focus is on the present moment. My focus is on the nearest 15 minutes. Okay, I there's so much I love about this. Okay, so first of all, to enhance conditions of flow is to set these clear goals of what we want and be specific. But you're also saying that you can set new goals like almost every 15 minutes. Like you can jump from goals or and things like that too. And then also making sure that it has that balance with our skills and our challenge. So not too hard because it's gonna make us feel discouraged and we won't go into flow state. And I think that's what happens to me with running. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a runner. I wish I was. I really do. Um, but I think that it, I it'll take me a while to get into flow state with running. Let's put it that way. But I think because it's too challenging for me, I could set the goal, but I think that I'm setting goals that are too challenging. So if I break it down to even just running around my block and then get yeah. into flow state around my block, then maybe that's more manageable. And then I love that you said too about this feedback, like getting feedback. It's like, actually, you know what? I feel good when I'm running like this, or I feel good. And the other thing you brought up that's so powerful, and we all know, and we talk about it in my resilience course and also in positive psychology is this implementation intention. So it's like setting the intention, like, so being specific and clear on our goals. It's like every night before I watch a show, I'm going to run around the block. And then when I come back, I will watch my show. So it's almost like a rule, rules to live yeah. by um, and setting that intention, making it challenging enough though. You're right. Cause as soon as it starts getting easier, we want to push it a little bit more so we can get into that flow state. So I'm curious, I have to ask, I, I believe personally and through my research and everything that if it's almost like just something that we enjoy. So if it's like enjoying and we're not necessarily, and we're just present with that one thing that we're doing, is that enough also to be a condition for putting ourselves in a flow state? Like it's something that we just really enjoy. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. But then you, then you have to think about those three uh, main conditions for the state of flow. So if you love to do something, you can start slowly challenging yourself in, self in those directions. So set up goals, clear goals, challenge key balance, feedback. So, you know, this, the only passion um, is not enough. Uh, the passion is the main thing. Uh, but then you have to start creating the, the, those 
three main conditions which are starting getting you, you into the state of flow. But of course, you can also not achieve the state of flow in a non-challenging um, activities. You can go for for run, you know, the, the trial runners achieve the state of flow very often because of the environment where, where they are running and they achieve the state of flow only because they are in amazing environment. So you can also achieve the state of flow. But if you want if you want to achieve it regularly, those three main conditions are the the, the things which you start getting you into the state of flow. Amazing. Okay. So let's shift gears a little. Let's go to that back to that clenched fist in our stomach or like wherever maybe the anger in your jaw, the frustration in your temples, wherever you're feeling this in your body. I would love, love, love to, you know, rack your brain around what can we do like this mindful movement? How can we activate? How can we process some of this trauma maybe that's, you know, held inside or what do you suggest? Can we work through something here? Of course, I we, we we did have a short discussion before the program, and we were talking about the mindful pain uh, management. So I can give you the example how to deal with the pain because you know anxiety, stress, overwhelm is is also the uh, some sort of the pain which we have in our life. So I will talk now about the physical pain, but exactly the same exercise you can apply to mental pain to the emotional pain to you know to when you feel um, um, something what you don't want to feel so to, to all sort, sort of the pains so I will give you an example once again uh, based on running so let's say and I will give you the example also uh, I, from the Trump I'm totally laughing. I have to interrupt you. <laughs> because, like I have so much, like running brings me so much pain. So like I'm sitting here going, and thank goodness he's using running as an example. Like you're totally inspiring me to go run, but, but <laughs> I love that you bring this up. So we can use this for like the pain that we might physically feel when we're running, if you're not a runner like me, but also like we have physical manifestations of trauma. When we love someone with an addiction, right? We, we've been through a lot and we are going through a lot even so we might have a lot of mental pain we might have a lot of emotional pain going on not to mention it can manifest in physical ways so um, I'm so grateful that we're talking about this and, and, I, and I'm laughing about this idea of pain and running but you know what it's for everything it's not just yeah. in running but we can apply this to so many other things. absolutely absolutely we can you know just sit in front of the laptop and chat and we can actually have exactly the same feelings and apply exactly the same um exercise so let's uh, let's start with the with a trauma for example a very simple trauma because most of the people they think that okay the traumatic experiences in our childhood are associated only to the experiences like i don't know experiencing war or living in a um, family with a domestic violence uh, or, or or anything similar and of course this is a this is a trauma but the trauma for everyone is, is something different because the traumatic experience is something what, uh, you know, caused us um, to feel um, very vulnerable in a particular situation. So for one can be the 
uh, you know, drunk father who is coming back home and making um, and start, starting viol violence. For the other one can be, for example, going uh, at the age of 10, going out of the school with the kids and, you know, collapsing, breaking his uh, knee. Um, and this could be, for example, a traumatic experience because it was really painful and maybe kids started laughing that he cannot even walk or something like this. And then when we are the adult, we may avoid running or any form of the physical activity because that painful traumatic experience from our, from our childhood is still somewhere on the back on our head, in our subconscious mind, is that clenched fist in our stomach. And each time when we actually want to go for a run, we may really starting feeling the physical pain because our brain is bringing the painful memory from our, from our childhood. So what we can do when we go for a run and for five or 10 kilometers, and we're starting feeling pain in the left knee, let's say. So when we run, we start feeling pain. The first thing is to accept this pain, to acknowledge this pain. So you are acknowledging the pain. You're just saying to yourself, okay, I'm running 10 kilometers and I'm starting feeling pain in my less left uh, knee, and then you accept it. But it was actually my decision to run those 10 kilometers. And I want to finish this run. And that's my decision. Uh, and I will, I will observe this pain, just build curiosity around this pain. I will observe this pain. Uh, if this is indicating injury, or, or if this is just caused by my uh, me painful memories. And in most cases, this pain will disappear as soon as you acknowledge it and as soon as you accept it. But um, if we didn't heal those painful traumatic experiences, which we already talked about before, that we uh, swipe it um, under the, the um, uh, carpet, if we didn't heal this painful traumatic experience, this will come back to us sooner or later, maybe between the same run or maybe later. So each time when you run and when you feel the pain, repeat the same exercise. Acknowledge, accept, and assign gratefulness to your to, to feeling the pain. So what that means, when you feel the pain, say to yourself three things which you are grateful for. And those things need to be from this current day, or maybe even run, and as simple as possible. So you may say to yourself, uh, now the, the, the full exercise. Okay, I feel pain. Um, it's no more around 10 kilometers, but it's my decision and I want to uh, run and observe the pain and uh, see if it's indicating the injury. And I'm grateful for seeing that beautiful tree in front of me. I'm grateful that I already passed five kilometers. I'm grateful that it's so green around me. And each time when you feel the pain, repeat exactly the same exercise. And what is actually happening is that you are rewriting your script in the brain and you're starting a healing process, that you are replacing painful negative emotions and memories with a positive trigger. Because each time when you see 
And when you feel the pain, you're replacing the pain with the um, being grateful, with the positive uh, emotions. And because our brain is learning by repetition, if you keep repeating this during the runs, your brain will start um, uh, practicing the same exercise during any other um, activity throughout the day. And this is how I'm passing 40,000 kilometers because, you know, I'm, <laughs> this I'm is not a friend of the pain. You this is how I'm doing this pain exercise. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so much goodness here. First of all, I love that you bring up that trauma basically is any threat to our life or any threat to our safety and that it doesn't have to be these grandiose things that is just, you know, and that's true. Like I had a lot of trauma when I was um, dealing with my addicted loved one in my life and still to this day, I have triggers and I'll watch TV shows or I'll watch movies and I'll just like, there's so many triggers there. And so I do have to work myself to walk myself through this pain recipe. And it's interesting because I, I do talk about it in my book too. It's okay not to be okay. And it's like, like, you know, recognizing that emotions are there for a reason. And so, so much of what you're saying with this mindfulness, um, that can help us with this trauma is this idea of the first step being accepting and acknowledging. Cause so many times we try and just sweep it under the carpet, but eventually it's going to stink. Um, this idea of accepting, acknowledging the pain. So it's like, I see you, I, you know, I hear you. It's like recognizing that it's there. And I'll, in my resilience course too, we always talk about it. Talk back to the pain. It's like, what's it telling you? Like what message is there? It's like, because it's there to keep us safe, right? It's there and just like sitting with it. And I, I always say, it's almost like sit with the wet diaper a little bit, like sit with the pain because it's there for your reason. So yeah. whether it's physical pain, mental or emotional, like the physical pain of maybe your knee hurting, it's like, what's this telling me? It's like, I'm choosing, I want to run for five kilometers. However, you know, what's this, is this an injury? Like what's going on? If we ignore it, then it could get worse if it was an injury, right? And so, and then this idea too of observing it and just being with it is so powerful. And then assigning it, like basically assigning this idea of gratefulness. I always say, okay, yes. And I actually turned the pain of my situation of loving someone with an addiction. And when he disappeared out of my life, it's like, I still have triggers. Now I rewrite the story. I say, having him, I don't say his name anymore, but having him in my life was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me yeah. because, and I can honestly say that. So now that's the dialogue. So when I feel that grip in my stomach, or I feel that anger towards him, how he cowardly left, I like, wait a second. Thank you for leaving. Like, thank you so much for removing and plucking yourself out of my life because you were so much darkness it's like thank you so much for you know and now I move into that place it took me a long time it's been three years so but um I do I still go into those moments it's like now I can honestly say that he's one of the best things that ever happened to me because I've had so many I meet people like you I have great relationships I created the podcast it's helping so many I feel a sense of purpose and I'm being of service and um, I can apply all my postgraduate psychology training and help people with resiliency. And so I love that you bring that through that whole, it's almost like walking your trauma through like through acceptance, yeah. acknowledgement, and, and really any pain, any pain, any sadness, any heartache, any fears, like we can walk it through this acceptance, acknowledging, talking back to it, talking with it. 
um, making it feel heard, observed, and there, and then uh, and then moving into a place of gratitude. Um, and that's hard. Sometimes moving into the gratefulness, it's like, I don't know about how grateful I could be for this pain right now or this discomfort. And so um, can you talk, speak to that? How do we move when it's so hard, when it's like really, you know, a lot of mental, physical or emotional pain? How do you move so easily into a place of feeling grateful? There is no such a thing as like moving so easily really? to the state of the, um, you know, uh, being grateful is a journey, is a long journey and sometimes really painful journey. But we have to remember that um, if we want to heal the pain, we have to go through the pain and we have to accept it. And if we push it away from us, if if we resist, it's just getting stronger and it's not it's not disappearing. Um, but, you know, I did have many situations when I thought that, okay, I'm, I'm starting really feeling great. And then some days come back and uh, I was feeling awful. And I thought, oh, gosh, all this work and I'm still not where I want to be. And then the next day it was uh, better again. You know, some of the days is easier. Some of the days more difficult. It's the same for me. Like I'm running now uh, that long distances. Uh, yesterday I was running actually 32 kilometers and it was really heavy. It was really uh, difficult to run yesterday. And other days I'm running 50 kilometers and it's like I'm flying and uh, I feel like I can run actually another 50 kilometers. So it's the same with any sort of the anxiety, stress, overwhelm. Some of the days are more difficult. Some of the days are more easy. But we have to remember that it all will pass if we keep practicing gratefulness, if we keep coming back to that present moment awareness with the meditation, with mindfulness, however we do this, eventually it will pass, eventually we'll heal. We have to remember that we can, we, we heal through, through making small changes in life. So, you know, if you don't want to, if you don't know how, how to heal yourself and how to start it, you know, just Make a promise to yourself that you will make uh, three squats when you brush your your teeth in, in the morning, and just stay uh, really true to this promise. That make those three squats when you brush your teeth in the, in, in the morning, and after a week or ten days, you're gonna say, "Oh, actually, actually, I can make ten squats." And that's how you heal yourself, because you heal from the past and you're starting new and you're starting building that resilience. You're starting believing in yourself. Yes. You're starting seeing that you can achieve more and more and more. As I said, I started from five kilometers. Now I'm planning to run 40,000 kilometers. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're an example you know, of what's possible. And um, I love this message too, about just making little promises to yourself, even if it's like, you don't feel like getting out of bed. It's like, you know what, I make a promise to myself that I'm going to get out of bed every morning and I'm going to make my bed. And um, like, you know, I was with a coaching client and that was the one thing that she just wanted to do because it was so easy for her to just go back into bed um, and just be there all day because that's really what she felt yeah. like doing. And so she made this promise to herself that every morning she would 
promise to get up at this set time and she would make her bed and she would do like clean her face and do a morning. And she just promised herself that every morning and slowly, like, and you know, now she's, we've got all kinds of action items that she's working on. And like, she's like, you know, but it started, it had to start that simple and that basic and that, and that really helped her. Right. And I love that message that you give. It's like, start small. And those small little promises that you make your, with yourself will help you work through the pain, work through emotional, mental, physical pain. Um, and, and so you, oh my gosh, you've had help gave us so much information. I love all this and so much support and I love your knowledge and, and this idea of mindful movement. Now, so if someone, before we wrap up, if someone is, um, hearing your running story and they're inspired and they may want to maybe not, but they can't run per se. So can we talk about mindful movement? Like basically with mindful movement, it's all about just putting your attention on and noticing how your body's feeling and how, what your body is doing while engaging in movement, like being aware. Um, so is there a way, like even I know for me, it's so meditative and I get into flow state when I go for my power walks up the road. Um, my mind does go off on other things, but you know, I feel very much in flow state because before I know it, I'm back at the house or I'm talking to my sister or, you know, so is there other things maybe, um, that we can add to this whole idea of mindful movement and how we can apply it? Absolutely. So, you know, a mindful movement you can um, implement to any sort of the movement. Um, and um, you can practice this, you can start pro- pra- from practicing it for as little as three minutes at a time, uh, but try to implement to many different um, activities uh, throughout the day. So make a promise at the beginning to yourself that you will start in the morning because usually we are the strongest uh, in the morning. Our willpower is the stronger in the morning. So try to implement this, for example, to brushing your tooth. So with a mindful movement, you bring in your full attention to your body to what you feel, uh, to all the sensations. So for example, you are brushing your tooth, you're taking the uh, toothpaste, putting on the toothbrush and recognizing the smell and name the smell. So recognizing what you smell, then put this to your mouth and start to try to recognize what is the flavor of the toothbrush. Then start uh, brushing your tooth and try to recognize if and if you feel any pain in any tooth and which tooth is it. Try to recognize any sort of sensations if you uh, uh, you know, uh, wash your mouth with the water, name it, if it's cold water, if it's painful, if it's uh, what kind of the sensations, if it's hot water, um, you know, just, just name everything what you, what you feel and try to keep this attention for as little as three minutes. I'm pretty much sure you may get a bit upset at yourself at the beginning because those you it will turn that keeping attention for three minutes is quite difficult. But uh, just accept it. Don't judge yourself. It's no more our mind have between 40,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. So it's nothing wrong with you. I mean, I'm saying you, you, but I'm saying like to, 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 any, to, to, to any listener, to, to people who, who listen to the, to the podcast. So um, just um, acknowledge this, accept this again, that uh, it's normal that uh, your mind is losing attention sometimes and bring your attention back to, uh, to the body. 
And then you can implement the same exercise to making coffee and drinking coffee. Again, recognize all the sensations, all the flavors. Um, uh, if you feel any pain when you when you uh, drink, if it's coffee too hot, too hot, uh, how it smells, and just name all those sensations which you do. Then you can you know put you can start lacing your shoes and start feeling again how the shoes feel when you put your um, leg inside the shoes. If uh, if there is any pain in front of your tooth or in your, uh, you know, in the back of the of the of the leg, how the laces feels when you touch them and starting lacing uh, your shoes. So you try to plan this. So you can plan, for example, five different exercises for three minutes each day. So let's say that's the brushing your tooth, that's lacing your shoes, that's walking to work that's cooking later so again pay attention to all the sensations name name the vegetables carrots uh, orange uh, green just you know pay attention for those three minutes to what you are uh, to what you're doing and to all the sensations and the fifth um, um taking shower again the same in the evening and just put take a yellow notes right on the yellow notes three minutes mindful exercise put in all those places when you practice this on the mirror in your bathroom on the shower door on a cupboard in the kitchen on a uh, shoe cupboard and just remember to practice this five times a day for three minutes you're doing this exercise anyway because you are putting that shoes on. So it's not something new. You are assigning mindfulness to existing activity, to activity which you already have. So it's easier to create new habit of being mindful throughout the day. And if you practice this five times throughout the day, it's really easy to, to, to become mindful uh, during actually with a time and practice to being mindful whole day. Oh my gosh. I love this. I love actionable nuggets. So this is so good. You have taught us so much. Like those are like any movement really it doesn't mean just yeah. running or like, so any movement, if we do it mindfully, it's so good to help us with anxiety, stress, overwhelm, and it kind of unlocks our focus. Like you say, our creativity, our joy, and as well, it can potentially put us into flow state too. It opens the conditions yeah. for flow. So you have taught us so much. I love it. I love that we talked about flow. I love that we talked about mindful movement, how we talked about processing and healing um, from pain and trauma. And um, I know people are going to want to get a hold of you, but before we, I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes for your books and your website and everything. Um, what would one last little message be for our listeners? You know, I'm running with a, with a, with a message uh, for the next 40 months, for three and a half years. And my message is that I believe that each of, each of us should have the same chance to live a life we are proud to live, regardless of our past experiences. No matter what happened to us, we can heal from it. We can achieve whatever we want to achieve. And we can be whoever we want to be. We just have to focus on ourselves, on um, being mindful, or on being on the present moment awareness, or making small little changes throughout the day. And this will start our healing process. It takes time and practice. It's not easy, uh, but there is a brighter 
uh, life on the other on the other side when we pass this and we can be fully satisfied um, and fulfilled with our life and this is my message and I hope to inspire many souls along the way of my running road. Yay. Oh my gosh. And thank you so much for all that you do and all the support that you're providing people and the inspiration, your, your proof of what's possible. And um, I love that final message, right? That we have that capacity and, and I, I'm all about taking back your power and, and building resilience and um, living your life to your fullest, right? And no matter what has happened or is currently happening in our life, we have that power. Um, and I love that you're providing the world with all these tools and strategies to support that so so thank you so much and thank you for being on the show yay thank you very much for having me it was absolute pleasure to talk with you awesome no, i have exciting news because i'm opening the door on the first ever SYKM Positive Psychology Resilience Course. And I wanted to personally invite you and offer you the early bird registration fee, and it's going to be incredible. So basically, it's a positive psychology resilience course, which, as you know, I am a positive psychology practitioner, resilience coach, and we draw on all that wonderful knowledge. And I transfer it into, I created this amazing resilience course that I would love to have you in. It's all about, you know, evidence-based strategies that help with human flourishing, with improving quality of life, and all these intentional behaviors that you can like implement into your life right away um, so that you can feel, reconnect with your needs, reconnect to your power, really unleash your strengths again, and tap back in, picking yourself up off the shelf. You probably put yourself on the shelf there for a while. So this resilience course is eight weeks. It's module based, but it's also live. So you're going to literally have me for eight weeks and we are going to take you through and walk you through weekly themes. You can apply the learning. It's interactive group meetings. Um, and it's really, there's an ease of learning. So there's a whole platform I use too with video content and PDFs and printables um, so that it, you can be in the driver's seat of your life. So you can connect with others who are going through similar struggles. So you can feel hopeful for a better future and just feel like you're building yourself back up again because let's face it, you matter. Your well-being matters. So let's stop letting someone else's addiction override or get in the way of your well-being. So I would love to send you this personal invite. I hope you come and join us. Go over to the website at savingyouiskillingme.com and click on the resilience course and you can find out more information there and register as well. I would love to have you. Again, it's going to be limited space because I want to keep it intimate and it's an eight-week course starting at the end of September, beginning of October, and I would love to have you in there. So hop on over to that website. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. 
Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.